offering information for your mind, enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Welcome everybody to Sabbath School University, or for those of you who like abbreviations, SSU. I'm Elroy Byam, and I am here with three awesome guests. Uh, we'd like for you to introduce yourselves, and uh, yeah, just tell us why you're here. Um, I, my name is Noi. I am the youth pastor at uh, SASDAC. That's just across from here. So um, SASDAC? For SASDAC the... is a Southern Asian Seventh-day Adventist church. Okay. And the people, first question people usually ask me is, where am I, where am I from? I am half Indian and half Filipino. Ooh. Okay. Indian so, and Pino. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I go with Philippians. Philippians. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, I'm Andrea Keel, and I work here at the North American Division. Okay. Yeah. My name is Ben Spiegel, and I also work here at the North American Division. Okay. And that would be the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. So thank you again for joining us. We are getting ready to have a light discussion on a pretty heavy topic. That is the seen and unseen war. But before we get into that, let's pray and do our memory text. Andrea, would you do that for us? Sure. Let's bow our heads. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to get together and to spend some time in your word. Um, I pray that your Holy Spirit will guide us and give us new thoughts. Thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And our memory text, would you like to? I got that. Okay. Uh, Matthew 11, verse 12. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. Hmm. Violent people have been raiding it. Kingdom of heaven. Uh, some very heavy things in this text. Can you, you expound or anybody want to expound on that? What does that mean here? I, th I think that's definitely the question. Like when I was reading through this, I was, I was like, they picked a really good verse because, you know, usually we can kind of explain things around. But this one, I mean, you don't usually think of like God's kingdom with violence and how does that go with John the Baptist? Like it's, it's good for thought. Right, because yeah. we usually like to go with, you know, God is love, God is peace, come whoever is heavy burdened, I will give you rest. And just going with the whole violence and war thing was very unsettling for me. Right, and it, it is a tough verse, and I think that's I think that's why it leads to good discussion. You know, uh, one thing that I, I found when I was reading is is some people have thought that um, in terms of in verse twelve where they say, um, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. As far as the violent take it by force, it was very much, uh, at least according to these people that I read from. It's very much a case of people, like in the case of war, when a, a city has been sieged, mm -hmm. violent men come in to take, they, they grasp onto the things of that city, the, the riches of that city. And I think that's in some ways kind of how people have seized onto the kingdom of God and the idea that there's so much there, there's so much richness, there's so much, there's so much value there. And the way that people are taking it, they're not taking it meekly, like if it rolls by, they'll grab a piece as it goes by. They're going after it and taking it. Mm. So are you looking at the kingdom of heaven as this place um, that's in the middle of seizures between two different types of people? Are people seizing, you know, this kingdom? Or are we, you know, in some cases, this quote-unquote kingdom of heaven in the middle of this, you know, tug of war, if you will? Yeah, it, it, I think the way I see it is that it takes intentional effort and that we're in the middle of, of this war, but, but to be a part of, um, to be in that kingdom, it, it takes some intentional, like you have to care about it, basically. You're not just gonna, uh, like he was saying, like it's not gonna just kind of flow, you know, gently into your life. 
um, you have to intentionally seek after it and uh, care about it enough to, to really work for it. Not that you're like working for your salvation, but um, you're working against the laws of the kingdom of darkness. Because mm. if you're just going to go with the flow, you're just going to kind of naturally drift into that. Mm. Um, but you're going to have to grab hold of Jesus, you know, and it has his spirit to help you in that direction. Mm. Right. And yeah, and I think, you know, we are stuck in the middle of the war. And, you know, I don't like to think of God as violent. But when it says over here, you know, the violent people have taken over the kingdom, we need to know that, you know, the violent people are attacking us. And it is a war that's going on. We look, you know, in verse 11, where, you know, John the Baptist. Um, and this will be verse 11 of so Matthew 11. So it wasn't in 11. verse 11. I'm somewhere else. Okay. But um, John the Baptist. Oh, yeah, in verse 11. Sorry. Would you like to read it for us? Or is it not in verse 11? Anyway, uh, John the Baptist, you know, sends, is this in the beginning? Right at the start. The Where John the Baptist sends his disciples. This is sure. verse 3, sorry. Verse 3. Matthew 11, Matthew chapter 11, 11 okay. verse 3. John the Baptist, he's in prison. He's been imprisoned. And he sends his disciples, you know, to go and see Jesus. And he asks Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Hmm. Which is, you know, it shows that he's going through a lot. Because just a few chapters earlier... He recognizes Jesus when he comes down to be baptized. Right. Mm. This is John who says, this is the man I cannot even tie his you know, sandals. Mm -hmm. mm. And here's his doubt, his question, are you the one? Mm -hmm. And so I think you know, if John, who, you know, again, in verse 11, chapter 11, verse 11, they say John the Baptist is the greatest born of women. Mm. And if he can go through that struggle, how much more can you know the rest of us go through that struggle when we are attacked by the enemy? And yet, at the same time, sometimes it, it seems like those who are at the forefront um, of the movement of whatever God is doing mm -hmm. are the ones that are going to get right. shot down mm -hmm. first. I mean, or or they're going to have to feel it a little bit more. Um, but I do think it's it's super interesting that he also recognized Jesus before anybody else did. Yeah. So he was obviously at the forefront, mm -hmm. um, and he was convinced of that. But what was it that pulled him away from that? that? That he would get so far down to where he's he's like, Jesus, are you actually, like, who are you? Just tell us who you are. Yeah. Well, maybe in some ways that's what prison does to you, you know? I mean, John was in prison. He was, in a sense, preparing the way of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there were forces in this kingdom of darkness that right. uh, Andrea alluded to earlier that may have, you know, had some influence there. One, for the people that put John in prison, but two, maybe in some cases, for John to maybe have some doubts, to have to send his disciples to find out if Jesus was, you know, the true Christ. But I, we're working with, you know, a serious kingdom of darkness here, this seen and unseen war as part of the title. I mean, when, when you talk about the seen and unseen war, I mean, there's so many levels, mm -hmm. you know, um, that I think that happens at, you know, the, the larger perspective then you have the wars that I guess you see in terms of, you know, what's happening um, in front of our very eyes. And then maybe the war that's happening in our minds. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is what was happening with John. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, I think it's a crisis of, of faith. And, I mean, he was suffering. That's, that's a fact. He was in prison. Right. And yeah. it doesn't end well for John, mm -hmm. you know. And um, he has a crisis of faith. And I think we are in a position where there's, there's a possibility, there's a likelihood that we're going to suffer as a result of our faith in Jesus. Hmm. And I see this as kind of a cautionary tale um, about you're going to have crises of faith maybe 
while you're going through this suffering. But it, that's, that's, that's really how it, what it comes down to for me is how are you going to deal with it in your time of faith? Are you going to stay strong to Christ? Or are you going to say, are you the chosen one? Are you the one that was sent? You know, it's, it's tough. And I, I don't know that I would be able to say I'd be able to handle it better. I'd like to hope that I could, but it's, mm. it's tough when you're in a situation like that. And yet, like, what does John do when he has that crisis of faith? Does he just, like, sit in prison and he tells his disciples, like, forget it. Like, we don't even know anything. Like, we must have been wrong. He doesn't. He goes to Jesus or he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask. Um, he knows that his answer is going to have to come from Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and I love what Jesus does. He doesn't even really, he doesn't say, like, yeah, I am. Like, you should know this. Mm -hmm. um, he, he says, go and tell. I think it's uh, chapter 11, Matthew 11, verse 4. Um, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Um, and then I, I just think it's interesting, too, that right after that, it says the disciples departed. So they go back to tell John, like, this uh -huh. is what he said. And then Jesus like says, this guy's awesome. Like he didn't even let, I don't know, he didn't even let John like hear his good stuff about him. But I think, um, I don't know, what, how do you think John might have taken that? Uh, I think it would have given, it may have given him some hope, you know. I mean, when you're dealing with, I guess, you know, the forces of Narcos or what have you, everything that Christ reported back, you know, was dealing with, um, dealing with healing, you know, mm -hmm. dealing with better outcomes, blind, seeing, right. deaf are able to hear, you know, uh, the lame are able to walk, the le le um, those who are leprous are cleansed. Mm -hmm. So if I'm hearing cases about this and my original message was to prepare the way for someone who's doing this, this in a sense would give me some comfort, mm -hmm. you know? Well, and how much do you think it's, it's Jesus putting things in perspective for John? He's saying, yeah, you're in prison, blind people, they can see now, the deaf can hear, the lame can walk. That, you know, it's, we have a tendency when we're suffering to only think about us and our own problems. And granted, John's problems at that time were pretty dramatic. But I think Jesus kind of brings it back around to say, look, this whole world. He says uh, again in, in uh, verse six, or I'm sorry, verse five. The blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. The poor having the gospel preached to them, which was what John was doing. The work right. is continuing mm -hmm. even though John is going through these struggles. So I think, I think Jesus is saying, I mean, it's me. I'm the one and look at all the good that's happening out here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, for those of you who may, you know, just be joining us, we're talking about the seen and unseen war, uh, these powers, these principalities, things that may be happening around us that we can't be aware of. But, you know, by faith, you know, we continue to move forward. Uh, maybe there's an experience in, you know, maybe one of our lives where we've dealt with doubt, but we received some kind of assurance uh, that God, you know, was looking out for us in the middle of this. Is there anyone here, you know, who might be able to share? A story of well like that. I mean just to kind of connect it too I think what's comforting to me is um, you know you hear about people being tested for their faith or you know people in other countries even who have to give up their property their lives um, and you always just assume like 
that they're like, yeah, it's, this is awesome. And you know, sometimes you hear quotes even like where they're just like, we love giving up our lives for Jesus, and and they do. But I think that they even they have to go through times. Uh, and I, John the Baptist, I think, is just such a good example of. Um, he did go through it, and I think at certain times he probably was stronger. We just happened to get to see his weakness, mm -hmm. and to me that gives so much um, comfort, I guess, in my moments of weakness. And yeah, like just recently I went through something um, that tested my faith, and yet at the same time um, I could see how God was working good out of it. And it was just like this, um, uh, you know, mixed feelings of like, this is really hard, but at the same time, like, this is really um, good for me and also helps me depend on Jesus. I have to look to Jesus. I think that's maybe the lesson that I get here is um, when you're in that doubt, you just, you don't know what else to do, so you just look back to Jesus, like, what's he doing? And hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, you know, the lesson says each day we make important choices about our lifestyle, our relationships, our careers, priorities, entertainment, and friends, um, but we need to make sure we understand what these are really about. You know, we... Uh, slowly just go through life. Uh, we have these ideas and goals, but there are other things that are going on around us that may, you know, that may, like doubt may creep up. We might not have, um, you know, any reason to think that what we're doing has merit, okay. or what we're doing has worth, but how do we um, continue to get assurance in this seen and unseen kind of war? You know, because you, you mentioned about lifestyle and, you know, we're using the analogy of war. And I'm wondering, does knowing the outcome of the war affect the way that we fight mm -hmm. the war? Does knowing the outcome of this world, does that change the way we live our lifestyles? That's a good point, Noy. And I, I think, I mean, so much of what has helped me understand the struggles of my past is hindsight. And with, with this war, with this great controversy, we have the benefit of having hindsight as foresight. We know what the end is going to be. It's up to us to be faithful and to believe on that, but we, we are basically able to say, you know what happened back then? I saw God working through it. We can say that for the future. We know how it's going to end, and we have a great gift in, in knowing that in the end of this war, there's only one victor. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And I, maybe that's also where the promises of Scripture come in, because mm -hmm. that's what reminds us of what reality is. Sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, in a video game, at the beginning of this particular uh, kind of war video game, if you will, it says all warfare is based on deception. So when you look at it in um, the case of the Bible or even the meta narrative, this war between Christ and Satan, uh, how, do, how does that apply? All warfare, warfare is based on deception. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a quote that doesn't come out of the Bible. It comes from a movie called The Usual Suspects. <laughs> okay. And it's, the, the quote is, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Mm. And although it's not necessarily biblically based, we know that Satan and his ministry, if you will, is based on deception. That's where it started, and that's where it continues today. So I think there's undoubtedly warfare that's going on that a lot of people either don't believe in or don't want to believe in. And it's because they've been deceived to think, you know, if, if something bad, if something truly evil doesn't exist, then everything must be all right and you don't need to change. You don't need to do anything differently. It's funny you said that. The saddest part about um, you saying that with that quote is that there, there's so much deception around there. I mean, we spent a lot of time in Matthew 11, but if you jump into Matthew 12, uh, where I believe the disciples were talking about, um, I want to make sure this is it. Yeah, if we go to Matthew 12, uh, verses uh, 22, 
where, you know, it talks about Jesus and Beelzebub or Beelzebub or this, uh, you know, I think it was a name that they had for Satan at the time. And Christ had to say, you know, it, it says, in, sorry, in Matthew 12, 25, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? So here, Jesus is performing miracles. And, you know, the people of God, the chosen people, are actually accusing Jesus of, in a sense, you know, they're call, almost calling him Satan. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, it's, it's ridiculous. They're saying he's crazy. He's, he's demon-possessed. It's, it's all deception. So, you know, like, what is really going on here in this, in this war? You know, and I, I think that actually gets really personal and really real because we know the outcome of the war. Mm -hmm. We know God wins in the end. But, you know, how as individuals can we prevent ourselves from being lost? Hmm. Because the wars between God and Satan, God's already won. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with the deception, questioning God, not recognizing where he is, it's easy for us to, you know, lose ourselves even though the war's already been won. Mm -hmm. That's true. Because a lot of times I think we're dealing with things that, you know, we can't see. Uh, you know, every day we, um, we wake up by God's grace. You know, God has commissioned us to, you know, go and um, preach the gospel and reach the world. But there's so many things that happen in our lives right. that sometimes don't make us feel like God is there. So, I mean, like, what deception is Satan using so that, you know, we can lose as individuals? Because he knows he's lost the big war. Yeah. I think one of the biggest ones is just, you know, when you have any kind of pain or suffering and thinking, like, God, why did you? I mean, we know God didn't cause it. Mm -hmm. So we're like, why did God allow that? Um, and I think a lot of people inside the, the church, Christians and non-Christians alike, um, maybe one of the biggest struggles yeah, with that, with I think it's a deception that that there's nothing good that can come from that. That mm -hmm. God doesn't love you because you have to suffer. Hmm. Hmm. And you know, I think a lot of times, just like you know, with Jesus and Belzebub, that you know, when we see someone struggling, we tend to say this is God's will. Mm -hmm. And I don't think suffering or struggle is ever God's will. Mm. And so you know, when you know when Belzebub is healed, they think he caused the suffering and then he healed it. Mm. But, you know, I don't believe suffering is ever God's will. I think he wants to see us, you know, as happy as we can. And it's easy, you know, to blame God or to get angry with him when we go through a tough time. Yeah, and I think even in this, in this verse too, like what, what I think Satan is trying to do, uh, ironically, through the Pharisees who are calling Jesus Satan, <laughs> um, is just cause confusion. And I think that's what he starts with, mm -hmm. just to make us doubt with confusion. Mm -hmm. So again, if you're just joining us, we're talking about the seen and unseen war and how there are forces that are around us that are trying to convince us to their particular narrative. And at some point we have to make a choice. So we continue with this narrative, this idea that, you know, Jesus is on one side and the enemy that we know as Satan is on the other side. Uh, again, how do we hold strong? You know, we've heard about a lot of it in the biblical narrative, but how do we hold strong? today, today, as we're going through our own daily struggles. Mm -hmm. um, one of the verses that has given me a lot of hope is Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Okay. And I like what it says there, you know, talking about, you know, putting this war in context. Mm -hmm. Because it says that, you know, when Jesus tells his disciples, he came not to bring peace, but he came with a sword. Mm -hmm. 
So he is aware that there is a battle going on and he's not going to sit back and watch the battle go on in front of him. He's going to be active in the battle. He's going to be in front fighting for us. Mm, I like that. I like that. This kind of paints Jesus in a different perspective now. You know, um, we were talking about it earlier, but it's like we see Jesus a lot of times as that lamb, you know, mm -hmm. but he's also that, that lion, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of nice to know that he's at, you know, at the forefront, you know, really fighting for us with that sword. Mm -hmm. I, and I think it's important to make a distinction, though, because you've got a lot of times in, in history where you see the Christian church taking up a sword mm -hmm. in the way that they thought was the right way. And this, this verse, it makes that sort of arguing that sort of thing tough mm -hmm. when you look at the, the Crusades and, right. and just all throughout Europe, throughout the, the 1700s, 1800s, just full-scale murder of people who didn't believe like they did or didn't believe exactly how they did. And I don't think that's what this verse is saying Absolutely. at all. And I think this is one of those times when it's referring to the unseen war. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anybody else like to expound on, on that a little bit? Well, I, I just, to me, maybe because I'm the only female at this table here, but <laughs> um, I just think it's interesting how... Um, as Christianity, we've we've painted such a picture, I think, a lot of times of everything being peaceful, um, and of like once you accept Jesus, not that everything's going to be okay, even, but just like you're supposed to, um, just kind of be real placid and just mm -hmm. go along, and and basically, if there are any emotions, you need to like slam them down because everything's supposed to be really even, and um, but like it just seems like the picture that's painted here in Matthew, and I think elsewhere in the Bible is. Um, so much more dynamic than that, and that that this unseen war it plays out into a seen war. But we're called to um, engage in that differently. Like we're not called to engage in regular, you know, punching right. people out. That's not right. going to help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, our our weapons are in the spirit, um, and you know, using the word and using prayer. But it doesn't mean that it's not real. It doesn't mean that it's going to look or, or always feel peaceful. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's really engaging to our emotions, and it really um, affects us. So anyways, I, I just think it's really good that, that we're looking at this because um, I think it's dangerous if we, if we think that it's not, you know, that it's going to be okay all the time and, and if we're supposed to. Because then if things do start to get a little bit crazy, um, sometimes we can doubt our Christian experience mm -hmm. and feel like, well, maybe Jesus isn't with me because I'm really angry or, um, you know, this isn't right in my life. But um, that, I guess that's what I see. Doubting the Christian experience, you know, this really calm journey that's not necessarily calm. Mm -hmm. I mean, Noy said earlier, I mean, we know how the story ends, but we still have to go through the war. Uh, so... Can we sometimes maybe be a little too calm? Like maybe we forget that there's a war going on because we can't literally see it? That's a big part of what this verse is talking about, that Jesus came, he brought a sword with him. So much of Jesus's ministry was turning what we understood about what was normal or right or accepted and just completely turning it on its head. He's just, he's, he's a revolutionary in many ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that we miss that sometimes in today's world. And I think that right. plays into the deception as well, where we think, okay, well, the war is won, so I'll just sit back and rest on the fact that I'm, that I'm in, that I made it. And we, we take out the kind of personal responsibility, not that we have to earn our salvation, but that we still have a responsibility for the other people on this world and that we have a planet that we're supposed to be taking care of and that we, have, we just have responsibilities that go beyond accepting Jesus and sitting back. We're supposed to share the gospel. 
Mm. Okay, now we're getting into it. Yes. Now we're getting a little <laughs> bit of, uh, you know, help in terms of uh, how we are to, to continue through this war. Any other advice, you know, for those who might be out there, they might be watching this show, they might be struggling, they hear about this war, uh, they may not even necessarily believe in it, but what can we tell them? What advice do you have for them? Just one thing that I think of is that, um, kind of related to that, to, to what you just said, is um, this war isn't just about surviving it, but it's about advancing the kingdom mm. um, of the gospel. And so one of the ways, you know, when you, for example, if you're just feeling really depressed and you're just sitting there, you're like, I don't even know what to do with my life. Um, I mean, you're, you're praying, but then I think it takes a step of faith to serve. And even just that little step, I think God can use it to help you break out of that. That's just one example, I guess, that I can think of. Part of our job or part of our role in fighting this war is helping to be able to explain or wipe away the deception and the lies that mm -hmm. we've been fed by, you know, the dark side and show them that, you know, God promised us that there will be peace eventually, mm. that once this war is over, you know, we will be able to live, mm -hmm. you know, without the struggles and the suffering that we go through. And, you know, even though we're going through a war, it doesn't always have to be this way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Oh, I, oh, I just take great encouragement. It's, it's, it reminded me to seize the kingdom of God and not just mm. be complacent about my relationship with Jesus. That I, there, there are wow. spoils out there that I have to, I have to go get. Not, I, I, have to, I have to want it mm -hmm. more than I sometimes feel like I want it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. We have about a couple minutes left, you know, in this light discussion on the heavy topic. Uh, again, final thoughts, final thoughts that um, we can give, you know, to our viewers and maybe some encouragement for each other. I, I just want to kind of expound on what you said. I really like that idea that, um, you know, it's not yet. Right now we're still in the battle, but I think hope that we can get is looking forward to, you know, when we're in the in the deep thick of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's what reminds us that there's something better, that mm -hmm. we can hold on to that vision of, one day everything's going to be okay, um, and yeah. yeah, hold on for that day. Okay. And and you know I like how Ben emphasized you know we need to seize the kingdom because you know our memory text says that the violent are taking the kingdom of God by force and we can't just sit by and let them do that. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't mean that you know we're violent in return, but we do have to take an active part in either protecting the kingdom or, you know, seizing the kingdom for ourselves. And, you know, Jesus is obviously leading the way. So we're not in this fight by ourselves, mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, we need to get active. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think what Andrea said is a great point from, from earlier when she said that, you know, John the Baptist, the greatest among them still struggled. That yeah. gives me confidence that if, if he can go through it and struggle, then it's not unusual for me to struggle in, in times of crisis and that Jesus will carry me through and he'll say, look what I've done. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. There's still, there's still so much going on, even though you're struggling. Mm, confidence. I love that. That gives me confidence as well. And uh, thank you, Noi. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Ben. And thank you, our viewers. Uh, if you would like to contact us or learn more about us, visit SabbathSchoolU.org. That's SabbathSchool, the letter U.org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is for information and transformation for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Elroy Bynum. <laughs>